You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Casazza. Joined by Chris Anderson on National Signing Day, round one at West Virginia University. Everything changes here, Chris. It seems like every year there's an element, a new rule, just a part of recruiting that makes this day not as big as it was, I don't know, eight, ten years ago. But also as Neil Brown gets deeper into this too, he seems like he's found his stride and a lot of his news conference today was spent going over the individual players and plans and answering questions about what he's learned about where to go and who to go after. But just sitting in that room and listening to him talk about these things, going over the questions that were asked last year versus this year, but also from his first couple of years to this year, you definitely witness a growth. It's an improvement to fewer surprises and the surprises seem to be good. And I'm leaning back in my chair, rubbing my temples, trying to figure out, okay, what's a good question to ask Chris? Is this about the most as planned, best case scenario of Brown's recruiting classes so far? You're certainly right in that it's over the past few years has been trending towards, hey, the surprises are going to be limited or you're going to be focusing on one or two guys and maybe that's where the surprises are. But this was about as good as WVU could have hoped for. You know, they had was it, 19 verbal commitments heading into the day. All 19 signed. Little to no shenanigans involved with any of those 19. And then there were three others who, while not listed as committed, had already told the coaching staff that they were going to commit. Um, that being wide receiver Day-Day Farmer, wide receiver Dominic Collins, and running back Trayvon Dunbar. No surprises. They all just committed and signed, and it was over. It was done with, and that was that. And all 22 players that the coaching staff expected heading into the day all signed, and they were happy. And, you know, it's pretty rare for that to happen. Usually there's at least one slip-up, one shenanigan, if you will. And there was none of that this year, and and it all turned out positive for WVU. Do you mind if I call Day-Day Farmer Rick Darius Farmer? You certainly may. Okay. I think I like that more. Okay. Take me behind the curtain, Chris. 22 out of 22. No surprises. Boy, that's boring. I'd like some palace intrigue. I would like some man behind the curtain. So I wonder, did they have a list of 25? Whereas if one of the three, two or three, three of the three, whatever, anybody on that 22 were to fall to the wayside, flip, spring a surprise. They pick up the bat phone and they call number 23, 24, 25. Are they that deep in the process? Or do you think they were that content, convinced, comfortable 
with getting the expected news today? One, they were comfortable getting the guys they were expecting to get. Two, I don't think there was anybody available high school-wise where if they had missed on a couple of these guys, they would have quickly diverted to that direction. Um, you know, no audible here. It would have been like, all right, that's out, and now we wait. Now we look at transfers. Now we look at junior college guys, and we'll worry about it in February. Um, I don't think any position or – while these players are great, like there's some legitimately very good players in this class and we'll talk about it. I don't think there's a guy that's leaving that you're like, this has just devastated our roster. Um, I mean, quite frankly, there's not many guys out of high school for any team that you're thinking that with. And, and you shouldn't because of, of the way things are now with the transfer portal and stuff. So I think as far as audibles and different ways they could have gone on signing day, there weren't many. I think they were kind of not to step too far on my X-Files stories uh, that are coming up, but there were certainly a couple guys that they were kind of, hey, 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 you sure you want to sign with that other team? You see what we're doing over here? Guys that they had kept in touch with. Obviously, you know, Farmer became public before it was going to happen, but there were a couple others that they were kind of touching base with throughout the process, and I think maybe they were hoping they could get come signing day. But it wasn't devastating if they didn't pull it off. And Brown did say that he was on the phone late last night with at least one player. And I would imagine that his assistants were probably doing something similar. Not all 10, but two of them, three of them. You think I can just go ahead and say who that is? Right? I mean, we probably know he's an in-state kid, right? Yeah, it, it's Robbie Martin. Ron right. Hamilton, for those okay. who weren't sure. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Hey, like Sneak peek to the VIP for those that. I've been paying attention to anybody that's been a VIP member, which, by the way, 60% off. Jump in there. Get on it. You would know this already. But he's been in touch with the coaching staff for months now, despite his commitment to NC State. Uh, he's talked about coming up to visit. And I can only – I'm, I'm kind of connecting the dots here. There's only a couple guys they were still touching base with leading up to signing day, and he was one of them. And I have to think that's the guy that Neil Brown was talking about right there. Okay, I like it. Um, let's go over some of the players here today. The two people that, that kind of catch my eye for different reasons. Um, Hubbard had a great high school career and a good level of football. Productive, consistent, running back. Cool. Here we go again. That's a loaded room now because you might have Donaldson, White, Anderson back next season. Add Hubbard. Cool. But Chris, they also have this late addition in Trayvon Dunbar, who's kind of Fitting the mold, um, you know, Hubbard's 5'11", 185. Dunbar is 5'10", 205. It kind of gives him a little bit of a uh, a muscle and, and hustle here, too, which is kind of similar to what they have. It's not the same as White and Donaldson, but, like, big guy, little guy, it's a full compliment. But, uh, frankly, I'm kind of surprised that they added two running backs there, and maybe they know something. I don't know, but that's kind of where I want to start here because this has turned into a running offense. They have the running quarterback. They have the offensive line. And they're leaning into this now, too, where I guess you collect as many running backs as you can, too. First off, they had, they had told Leori Hubbard, and they had kind of, I don't want to say dropped Dunbar, but Dunbar was there very early in the process. West Virginia was on him, invited him up, had him for junior day, offered him in January, and then kind of was like, hey, we got our guy, once Hubbard committed, and, and told Hubbard straight to his face, you know, hey, we're only taking one. Right. Taking one. Something had to change, and that's why, as we saw towards the end of, what was that, like November, I think, when it started leaking out that Dunbar 
was getting a visit from the coaches, might be coming up for an official visit. Like, okay, it, you know, nobody's in the portal yet, but someone's going because th- this this is what's happening here. There's there's no way they're telling a guy they're only taking one, and then they're going to take two without another guy leaving. Of course, Justin Johnson enter, enters the portal a couple of days later. It all kind of makes sense. I'm certain that Hubbard had already gotten a heads up on that, that, hey, we are going to recruit a second guy because another guy's leaving. So here you go. Almost a one in, one out kind of thing. And and I think that's where it goes. But what I find so fascinating, and somebody brought this up on the board and tweeting at me, and you just did again, they just keep getting guys who were great yeah. in high school, like <laughs> wildly productive. I mean, Hubbard had over 5,000 yards in his final two seasons, both all state performances. Dunbar had over 3,000 yards and 43 touchdowns this year alone. Those are stupid numbers. Those are stupid numbers. And it's just normal for the running backs that West Virginia is getting. And surprise, surprise, it's translating to college. For a long, long time, West Virginia had a wild streak of only starting transfers at quarterback. What are the odds that they only start lefties for the next couple of years? (laughs) I'll tell you what, if West Virginia starts playing in a seven-on-seven tournament, I think they'll be just fine with Khalil Wilkins. Just, I mean, that was one of the best seven-on-seven quarterback performances I've ever seen that he put on there. Not just like his team kind of stumbled towards the end, but that was because they couldn't stop anybody on defense in that seven-on-seven. But some of the throws he was making, and, and Neil Brown kind of alluded to, hey, you guys were there. And I mean, I, I let out an audible holy S on one of the throws and got a chuckle from a couple of the coaches because it, it was just some ridiculous throws. And this was before he had ever even truly gotten an offer or even had a chance to commit. And as I said at the time, the fact that he put on that performance when it's like, hey, you, you know, you want to talk about pressure on a quarterback and there's different levels and there's different times it's going to come. But this was when he was a recruit and it's it's on his shoulders. It's, hey, you if you want an offer and you want to commit to WVU, all the coaches are watching your every move today. And today will decide whether or not, today and today alone will decide whether or not you get an offer from West Virginia. And he went out and had one of the best days I've seen from a quarterback at seven on seven camp. So kind of speaks to what he's able capable of doing and and, and did. And you know, it's, it's a nice ad. I'm always gonna be leery of quarterbacks out of high school, given the nature of the transfer portal nowadays and, and how it all works. But man, he's got some some high, high upside. One more on offense. I don't want to get into receiver. We mentioned Farmer. Dom Collins ends up on board based on a great camp and then a, a stellar season. I mean, almost 2,000 yards receiving to go with his sub-4-3 speed. Hey, roll the dice on that. If it doesn't work, that's okay. You can still make that happen. Uh, Brandon Raymond, one of the early additions, um, that rounds it out. So the other part on offense then would be a marquee position given where things have gone. Offensive line. Chris, they went early on this. They went late on this. I'm guessing they can be picky, they can be particular, but it also sounds like they didn't throw out a huge net. They probably got the number of the guys that they wanted. They probably got the type of guys they wanted. Um, this is quite the evolution of, of offensive line recruiting, too. These seem like specific targets, specific targets, specific fits in Altooner, Austin, and I'm trying to find another one here. Uh, it's Justin, Justin Terry, right? Um, I don't know. What, what did they do here? How did they start? How did they finish? Um, Altooner was like, the guy for them. Yeah. I mean, it, this was a guy that they had made a priority regardless of position from the very beginning. 
had him up multiple times, had his whole family up multiple times, and we're thrilled when they got his commitment. And apparently that excitement has not waned because Neil Brown's comments in his 10-second video, but, but by the way, like, are we making Vines again, even though Vine isn't a thing anymore? Because there's, there's a lot of 10, 12-second videos on the social media department today, Neil Brown, and with the comment that Altooner is the center of the future for WVU. I mean, if you go go watch all of the introductions from Neil Brown on these players, and a lot of them, hey, we're excited for this guy, you know, standard stuff. This one's different when he says this is the center of the future. And I think he means it. I think they're that excited about him. Terry, big, huge dude. Um, our guy uh, in the Midwest, Alan, over 24-7 Sports, says that he's a mauler. That's what he called him, a mauler. That's always a good thing to hear about your offensive lineman. Um, Austin, the late addition, big bump in our 24-7 Sports rankings of late after a strong year, 6-7, like – Every, everybody's going to make the Colton McKivitz comparisons and it all makes sense. You know, six, seven kind of skinny basketball player from the Midwest, good frame, big senior season. They think he can develop. If you get, you know, 80% of Colton McKivitz, it's a, it's a win. What's left on offense here? Uh, they're not going to probably take anybody from the high school ranks in February, uh, slim pickings, and they can probably supplement holes with the transfer portal just a couple of gaps they would want to fill here, I would guess, and they can, again, be choosy, right? Yeah, I think so. And Neil Brown touched on it towards the end of his, his uh, press conference. And we'll get to the math here in a second, but he said he's looking for basically a strong walk-on class, which they'll work on in January. They'll focus on 2025 in January, and then there's four spots left, basically, for transfers as of this moment. And I think when you think of four, he mentioned, hey, defense, defense, defense and then on offense was kind of like a best available and it's like do you really need another running back no do you need another quarterback only if someone leaves um offensive line maybe there's always been a dating back to dana's time this thought of four to five linemen per class to make sure that room stays healthy and full and right now west virginia only has three so adding another might make sense especially if they have uh, you know, a couple years of eligibility remaining. And some of the guys that they've offered in the transfer portal, even if some of those offers are, I'm, I'm doing your quotation marks here, offers, they're, they're still guys that are like sophomores. So they're they're not looking right now for like one of those one-year rental guys to kind of fill in. So I think that's where they'll end up is a sophomore, you know, young guy after spring for the offensive line. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. I do want to hit the transfer possibilities here, but let's go quickly to defense, and I'm going to frame this in such a way that I think we can encapsulate everyone, everything into this conversation. Listening to Brown talk the other day about what he was going to do at safety, and Spear in particular, without, um, you know, obviously without Landsticks and without Hershey McLaurin, without Christian Stokes. They go in with just Raleigh Collins as a Spear. They're going to play Marcus Floyd there. And then Brown kind of said, we've been doing that anyways. And he's right, they have been. 
And if you watch them play this year, th- this was not a four-two-five. We spent a lot of time wondering about what the heck they were doing playing Lee Koba as a will, even though he was technically in the box, but also so was their true freshman Mike Ben Cutter. Where are they going to put Cutter and Trotter in the future? Something is changing here. So you look at that and you listen to what they said, but also today talking about some of the versatility they added at all three levels. And you can go to the players and how this fits into this, Chris, but this doesn't seem like it's going to be their 4-2-5 with hybrid positions very very much longer. And then D Brown says, this is going to be a 3-4. We kind of have been a 3-4. We're going to aim to be a 3-4 where, you know, our outside defensive linemen, they can be ends and tackles because they can get those bigger bodies. They want to have two box linebackers because a critique from observers, from scouts, from Big 12 people, even knuckleheads like me, they were kind of small, light, not very tall at linebacker. But now they want bigger bodies, height, length, and two box linebackers. And then they can be creative with those spear and bandit positions. They're not going away, but they're going to be supplemented with different body types too, where you might have two very different bodies and skill sets, a pass rusher and a tackler against the run, for example, a bandit, um, a run stopper, but also a nickelback kind of at spear, which again, isn't very different than what they've been doing, but they're going to specialize in this. Now, Chris, is this a move toward that based on what they did today? And I asked that because he mentioned what they did in the defensive line last year, what they've been doing in the defensive backfield, and now what they are attempting to do with linebacker moves them somewhere they want to go. He didn't really fill in the blanks where they want to go until he was asked some questions about it. I just feel like these are pieces of the puzzle they're trying to put together on that side of the ball as they try to improve. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you look at some of the linebackers they got, like Ricky Williams, 6'2", 215, although I'm hearing he's up uh, quite a bit bigger than that now. Chris, he's listening. They, yeah, they listen to 230 is what yeah. they listen at. Um, and uh, I was about to I was about to switch over to Curtis Jones as well. He's he's big, long. I remember I don't know what they listed him at today, but I remember the conversation around him when he came to camp was how long he was, his measurables, his wingspan. Which, when you start talking about wingspan, you're typically thinking of guys who are going to uh, rush the passer, who are going to get their hands up, get their hands on the ball, get their hands on the quarterback. And and I'm wondering how they're going to use him with that. Again, you're talking like you just mentioned taller, bigger guys on that second level. And then the one that was just like, holy crap, was Makai Byerson. You know, he's listed in our database. I mean, again, some of these, like, heights and weights, when they come to camp at West Virginia, I get as much information as possible, and I update those guys as best as possible what they measured in at when they came to Morgantown, if I can find that information out. Byerson didn't. And so I believe his measurables were from like a Nike camp, like a year and a half ago. I listed him at 235. Hmm. Like he's 270. And this goes to that, you know, three-man front that you're talking about. You, you, if you're going to a three-man front, your defensive end can't be 240. He's got to be 270. He's got to be 280. He's got to be a bigger dude. And, and, and this, again... It may not be the second or third level that we're talking about here, but this screams, hey, we've got to beef up the front. The front guy's got to be beefier so that you you know, you know can run that three-man front and, and really handle those blockers. Very interesting how they're going to evolve this. And they have the pieces and, and again, depth pieces too, where if an idea doesn't work with one guy, they can shift not only to a different guy, but a different idea. But also the amount of different offenses they're going to run into now in the Big 12. Like there's, If you look at the way these teams run, Granted, you're, you have so many more teams, you're just going to have a variance about the offenses you face. It's not going to be cookie-cutter air raid week in, week out. But 
different personnel, and this will give them different ways to get not get boxed in by certain opponents. If you're a team that's kind of heavy running the ball, West Virginia might have extra linebackers. If you're going to spread it out, they might have extra defensive backs or hybrids. Um, they, they can play with one hand tied behind their back if that's the case. I think that's a good sign. That's the plan, at least. We'll see if it happens. Uh, Chris, I'm going to rain on the parade for a second here. Is that okay? Where did you do that? Okay, well, no. This this is good cop, bad cop. <laughs> I have no opinions on this yet. And, and in fact, I, I can explain my... my... Never mind. I'm not going to I'm not gonna acquit myself or convince no, myself. Go for here. it. Go for here it. Um, six transfers on board. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in a good mood around the program. I get that. Eight and four, six and three in the conference. I would say a favorable matchup in a bowl game. We've been over all that. Couple of transfers come in and everybody's excited and they get their their stringer bell gifts going online. Tell everybody we back up, right? Neil Brown is cooking. I get it. Why am I underwhelmed? Quality, quantity, that's a sliding scale. I get that. But if I am a skeptic, I look at this and go, this guy didn't play a whole lot of receiver here. This guy didn't play a whole lot of linebacker here. Yeah, they're from Power Five program. This guy's from the FCS. This guy's from the FCS. Good stats. That's the FCS. You've seen that before. Tell me, or any skeptic, not that I'm a skeptic, I'm just role-playing here, why this is better than what the suspicious party might say. Someone who might say, wait a minute, you didn't grab a starter from Power 5 school. You didn't do one of these, like, one SEC team takes the starter from another SEC team. But you did make additions that you had to do. Where does the needle that bounces back and forth, where should it be right now? All right, I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to do a, a thing on the fly here. Oh, yeah, but, okay, yeah, so-and-so has this problem, but here's why it's positive. For each of them, rapid fire, okay? Linebacker Reed Carrico from Ohio State. Yeah, he didn't play a whole lot at Ohio State, but one, it's Ohio State. They, they, they recruit kids of his caliber all the time, four or five-star linebackers, multiple ones in every class. As someone pointed out to me, he would rank as one of the highest-rated recruits in West Virginia history. He was number 57 overall any position in the country. And he was the 11th best player in one of Ohio State's recent classes. So it is what it is. Ohio State runs also more like a 4-2-5. Like as far as true linebackers, they only had two on the field. So if you slip, you're out and that's it. So that's my yeah, but with him. Like there's still potential for him to do something. Ty French, he's an FCS guy. Yeah, but he's put up stats that are just absurd. Like stats that West Virginia players in recent years can only dream of. I put it out there that it's been since Shaq Riddick back in it was 2014, since an edge rusher, a true edge guy, had four sacks. Four. Like, I'm not setting some ridiculous bar here. Yeah, the Stills brothers did it. I don't consider them true edge rusher guys. I think David Long had one year, but that's just a crazed NFL linebacker kind of stat. We can argue uh, Noble Machuku, who, you know, again, he's 280. I think it was, but kind of a defensive end guy, so maybe he counts. But those are some ridiculous stats, and and I think some of that, 70% of that is going to translate. If you get 70% of what he did, it's better than anything West Virginia's put at that position in years. So, yeah, but that. T.J. Crandall, yeah, he's at Colorado State and hasn't worked out well with some guys from Colorado State for West Virginia lately, but he's a freshman. He's a freshman, and he was thrust into a starting role, and he was excellent in it. Uh, he has a lot of years to develop. And like uh, Tommy Dorjaye, he's kind of locked in at West Virginia for a couple years. Please don't bring up the second-time transfer stuff, Mike. Thank you. Uh, Jaden Bray, Oklahoma State, 
stats down a little bit. Yeah, but he also got banged up a little bit. Really wonky quarterback play with Alan Bowman. Can't stand it. Um, and they started relying on Ollie Gordon. It'll happen. Josh Minkins. Yeah, PFF grades not so great this past year, but they were better the year before. He provides experience. He's going to be more of a bridge. There's a lot of good young safeties coming in. You don't want them playing a bigger role. This guy's a veteran presence that can step in and fill in multiple spots in the two deep this year, minimizing the freshmen's roles right now. Aiden Garns, again, FCS. Yeah, but excellent FCS. He's played against FBS. He was excellent against West Virginia. I think he'll be just fine. That's your resume for the new GM position, right? Yeah. Assistant GM, yeah. Chris Anderson. There you go. Let me ask you to be a math professor now, too. You mentioned a little bit here. Six on board, room for four more. Um, I'm doing the uh, Zach Galifianakis from Hangover math in my head here. Uh, yeah, with this one here, carry that. Chris, that doesn't work. No, no, it does not. Right now, our scholarship tracker has West Virginia at 92 scholarships. That 92! Would include, yes, and, and the limit? So those familiar, 85. Um, that includes everybody that signed today. That includes the six transfers I just mentioned as verbal commitments. So, you know, those guys got to get there and get in. But it also includes a couple guys that I think will be departing after the bowl game. Neil Brown's already alluded to a couple of those guys. Um, we've mentioned a couple of those guys on the message board. So, but still, you're at 92. And Neil Brown's talking about adding four more. You're up to 96. It means you're expecting 11 departures from this team at minimum. And not to be crass, but okay. And I think there can be some, what do we want to say here? I think of the nicer way to say this. There can some be some trimmings. You can, we can lose some fat around here, around the edges on this roster and in, and I don't think many people will notice. And so we'll finish it with it's a much better spot to be in, to be the one having to push players out than to be the one trying to desperately get this team anywhere close to a 85 man roster. So well, it's a of, healthy spot for WVU. What bends my mind oh absolutely what bends my mind here is that I mean just on Sunday Brown said I don't know if I'll have anybody leave after the bowl game. Probably maybe that's the way things go. You're plus 11. <laughs> You're probably going to lose one person, and you know that too, right? So I understand that there's like a political grandstand in there you have to do, but that was an odd quote to me. But also, Chris, you know, this, they have those conversations with the players right in between, like that week between the end of the regular season and the conference championship game. And they they certainly told some number of those 11 players that are not yet gone, and it doesn't have to be 11, it could be seven, but whatever, that we don't want you around. Like, you don't have a spot here. We seek to replace you. And that's the nature of the business now. And the players and the coaches understand those are hard conversations, but they're necessary conversations. However, those players are not in the portal. They are way behind the eight ball. And granted, they can go in after the bowl game. Maybe they want to go out. And there, there are a couple of players, notable players, who are going to play this bowl game and leave. But, like, they're going to have four days in the portal before the, the portal closes. Now, granted, you can get fished out of there afterwards. There's no time that you can't transfer somewhere. I get that. The portal entry dates are for the entry. It just seems like a lot of those players, if they know, they know. 
I don't know what they seek to change and what they know that we don't know at this point, too. But that just those two things struck me as odd. They they definitely know they're going to lose more players, and a lot of them. But also, like, those players have not acted yet. Maybe they want to be in a different position, but they're going to be doing that. I mean, if they want to get into a school in January, advantageous for a lot of them. I don't know a lot of them have the name and the reputation to to make that leap that quickly, which means, you know, they might wait until after spring, which could be a good move. But why not do that early? If you're going to be in the portal for a long time, be in the portal for a long time. We'll see. Are you ready for one more little math thing? Go for it. One more more little clarification. (laughs) Um, So the key here with these numbers is it's 85 people enrolled Mm -hmm. at a time. So those of you who are looking, hey, these guys signed today. That doesn't necessarily matter. My numbers right now, again, for that 92 we came up with, is there are 64 players on the current roster who have eligibility remaining. Mm-hmm. Of the 22 that signed today, seven, Ernie Brown, are enrolling early. So 64 plus seven, you're up to 71. All six transfers who are verbally committed are also planning to enroll early. I would put you at 77. You're below 85. You're good. So these players don't have to leave. The 11 that we're talking about, they don't have to leave now. They can leave after the spring, and it still works, just for those listening that that, that might not understand that. But are they going to do that, though? I wouldn't if I were them. I would certainly want to know where I'm at before I go. I mean, because again, like that portal opens up and I mean, who knows, maybe, maybe get hurt. Maybe, maybe like guys are in the portal who are better than you. And like, it just, it's a risk. I understand that. And I don't understand why that involves because I never had to do that, but hopefully they're getting good advice and they have good counsel on this stuff and we'll see what happens. Chris, take me through our post signing day coverage. Cause I'm sure you have plenty. Yeah. The X-Files uh, position by position are going up. It's going to be the behind the uh, scenes stories, some things that, I may not have told you guys. Uh, some of it's going to be a little recap. Some of it's going to be new stories. Um, we'll see just how much I can share. It's usually 99% of the story. So be prepared for some good stuff and those coming up. Um, got some look backs and some more stuff uh, from earlier in the season before we get into the bowl game. And yeah, um, it's about that time for some bowl game coverage over the next few days for sure. <laughs> It's crazy. We're all going to huddle around the tree and sing carols and drink eggnog. And the next thing you know, it's going to be the day before the game. It's going to happen fast. Um, whole preamble for the game again by the numbers. Three, wait a minute. No, by the numbers, fresh set. You'll have your key matchups, Chris. We'll have the pregame podcast, all that stuff. We'll have to get in that sooner than later, I suppose. It'll be here before you know it. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.